I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Den of Geek podcast featuring commentary on the latest news from denofgeek.com as well as other behind-the-scenes content from your favorite movies, TV shows, and more. My name is Michael R. I'm the podcast editor here at Den of Geek, and this is part two of our San Diego Comic-Con 2019 coverage. We talked to David Crow in part one, and in part two, we're going to be talking to editor-in-chief Mike Cicchini. And Mike, we're catching you during the latter part of the convention. I hope you're not too exhausted yet. I'm pretty tired, uh, but... (laughs) You know, you can't really complain when you're in San Diego and you're in the middle of all this love for everything we enjoy. So it's uh, it's not so bad. And it's interesting that we spoke to David Crow for the first part of our San Diego Comic-Con Highlights podcast. And that was when Tom Cruise had just appeared. And that appeared to be the big uh, draw at the first half, even as Friday and Saturday progressed. But then Saturday night brought the big Hall H appearance of... Marvel and everyone was anticipating it, but would it be fair to say that it was even bigger than people expected it to be in terms of what they dropped on us? Yes. Marvel, Marvel exceeded expectations. And some of that is because they haven't been here every year. And the last couple times they were here, they were relatively conservative by Marvel standards because they knew they were headed for infinity war and Endgame. And they didn't want to go beyond that. And they wanted to keep the secrets of those movies. And obviously that was the right move. But this is the first time in five years that Marvel has had an entirely new slate of projects to announce. And that made this special. And I think they also were able to keep some pretty significant secrets uh, that they were able to unveil uh, not just one or two, but like three or four, and just one seemed to outdo the other. What would you say was your biggest surprise of the night? Who I would say my biggest surprise was the was the Shang Chi cast. I did not think that they were uh, quite that far along in the casting process. You know, my own intel had told me that as of last week, the lead had not even been cast, and now I believe the the reports are that this guy just got the part on Tuesday. Yeah, so. <laughs> That was a big one because that's not something that, you know, that's not in production yet. I figured they were going to play it relatively safe with the casting announcements and just reveal the Eternals cast, which they did, and reveal the Black Widow cast, which they did. But the fact that they were able to reveal uh, not only Shang-Chi, but the villain, uh, you know, the fact that fans have been asking since the very first Iron Man movie when we were going to get the Mandarin and they rolled the Mandarin out as well. So uh, I think that's really impressive. That was the biggest surprise for me. I love the titles of these movies. The fact that Shang-Chi ties again into the, the first Iron Man movie with the Ten Rings and stuff like that. I think it's a nice way to keep the legacy aspect of the MCU going 
without making this feel like you have to have seen 20 something movies in order to enjoy what's coming next. Yeah, I was just looking at David Crow's article on the Den of Geek website. Apparently, Simu Liu was screen tested on Sunday in New York and then was cast on Tuesday. <laughs> that's amazing. That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty pretty big for him. So what about the uh, Blade news? What can you tell us about that? Because a two-time Oscar winner just seems like such a get, even for Marvel. Well, you know, people have been wondering for a while when Marvel was going to do something with Blade. And personally, I had always hoped that they would uh, add Blade to the Marvel Netflix shows. Of course, there are no more Marvel Netflix shows. Just because I feel like a concept like Blade would work really, really well in an environment where they could basically go for an R rating. But the fact that they were able to keep Mahershala Ali a secret – and really just kind of drop that at the end of this panel like it was, uh, you know, <laughs> like that's that's something. And people tend to forget, I think, you know, those Wesley Snipes movies, they're a big reason why superhero movies became viable at the box office again. People weren't really aware that the first Blade movie was even a comic book movie. People forget that Blade 2 is a, you know, is, is, a, is a Guillermo del Toro flick. I still really enjoy uh, Blade 3. You know, like these movies are – they're fun and they and fans enjoy them and they still have a place in everybody's heart. So to see Marvel Studios spin on whatever this is going to be could be really special. The question is will this be the first time a Marvel Studios branded movie will flirt with an R rating? Because I think if they don't do that, they're missing a real opportunity. Well, that's true. And – and definitely with the lineup being a mixture of things that were already in the mix and already have release dates and things that are too far off to nail down that way, uh, this was a nice cap, especially since I said cap that is kind of a, a pun because everyone was wearing their Black Widow hats and then <laughs> Mahershala Ali comes out with his blade hat on. So that was a, a great way to reveal it. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm very excited about the future of the MCU. And I've I've said for a long time that in order for superhero movies as a genre to continue to be viable and to uh, they have to evolve. And I think a lot of this Marvel phase four slate kind of hints at that evolution. Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. They have Scott Derrickson directing this thing and Derrickson directed the first Doctor Strange movie. Derrickson's a horror guy. He's a horror director. As great and visually adventurous as the first Doctor Strange movie was, it was a pretty by-the-numbers superhero origin story in a lot of ways. So now that they're freed from that and the hope that they'll let Derrickson kind of indulge in some of his his horror instincts with this Doctor Strange sequel is really encouraging. Shang-Chi is you know, a mystical martial arts movie. And, of course, Blade should really be a straight-up action horror movie. So I think there are a lot of elements here that could add up to what we've been hoping for all along, that Marvel knows when it is time to evolve beyond their previous model. And, of course, we have to mention that because Netflix, uh, the Marvel presence there has been sort of shut down, it appears that Disney Plus is actually going to be merging a little bit more successfully i guess we'll have to wait and see on that but specifically with doctor strange because wandavision 
was announced, but also that Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch will actually be in the Doctor Strange movie at the same time. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I think that also just kind of, you know, look, Wanda hasn't had a lot to do in the Avengers movies. This is a really great character that deserves the spotlight. And certainly Elizabeth Olsen is a star, uh, you know, has the star power to do it. The fact that Marvel didn't announce any big, there's no crossover movies, you know, there's no event movies here. These are, you know, these are all pretty self-contained. The way to do this is kind of what we saw with Thor Ragnarok, where you put the Hulk and and Thor together. So Wanda and and Stephen Strange are a perfect pairing. They can both essentially, you know, play with reality. And imagine what Scarlet Witch can do with the visual power that Scott Derrickson brings to these Doctor Strange movies. So I think that's real, really, really exciting. Uh, WandaVision is like the big mystery project because nobody knows what this is going to be. You know, uh, there was there was one promotional image. uh, I think it was at TCA earlier in the year that showed, you know, Wanda and Vision in kind of like 1950s clothing. Uh, So the question has always been, is this about Wanda imagining a perfect life? with her and, and, you know, her dead Android lover, or now that we know the title of this Dr. Strange movie, is she tapping into alternate realities where she can live this life? We're not going to know. Uh, Marvel is going to play this really close to the vest, but let's just go along for the ride. Cause they never let us down. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, we had a couple of cascading announcements that led up to the Thor news, one of which was Taika Waititi switching from the Akira movie to Thor 4, which is now known to be called Thor Love and Thunder. So what did you think about that announcement leading into the casting announcement for Thor? It's amazing. Uh, (laughs) nobody (laughs) like nobody has been more like done with the Marvel universe than Natalie Portman. You know what I mean? Like like Natalie Portman really seemed to have no time for this world for a long time. So I don't know what the pitch for this movie was that got her to say, yeah, I'm in, but it must've been something. And the fact that they're going to go with the whole, you know, Jane Foster becomes the God of thunder element that's a really recent thing from the comics. You know, that's that's from Jason Aaron has been writing Thor for about seven years now. And I think it was about four or five years ago that, you know, that the Jane Foster element was brought in. And those comics have been spectacular. And of course, it really pisses off a certain segment of fans. But (laughs) good, like they don't we don't we don't really need them here. So. 
the fact that they're going to go there, that they're going to do something this gutsy, that they know is, you know, when you look at the big Marvel tapestry, is relatively untried, right? You know, in the comic book scheme of things, a character like Thor has been around for 55 years. You know, in the grand tapestry of Marvel stuff, this particular story going for something that is that is less than five years old is uh, it's pretty gutsy. But I think it speaks to the confidence that Kevin Feige has in in the overall vision of what the MCU plan is. Uh, there's no question about Natalie Portman's star power. There's no question about what Thor Ragnarok did for the Thor franchise, which always kind of felt a little bit kind of a little bit secondary to some of the other movies. So whatever this is, you just got to you just got to go with it. And it's probably going to be spectacular. I mean, when you think about where Thor was left at the end of Endgame, you know, this is a character that kind of has to find himself again. And why why wouldn't he be thrilled to see Jane Foster kind of assume this mantle? You know, Thor knows he's still worthy of wielding the hammer. You know, like that's one great moment where he's still able to pick up Mjolnir. (laughs) He goes, "Okay, I'm still worthy. Like that's still something that can be. You know, that's still mine. And then later in the movie, when he sees Steve Rogers lift the hammer, he goes, ah, I knew it. And he's not jealous. He's proud. He's happy to see this. So the next one who's going to do this is Jane Foster. And that's just like the perfect progression of just those character beats that we even saw for Thor. So it's not even like Chris Hemsworth is going to be sidelined in this movie. You know, this is going to be a great, you know, a great passing of the hammer. And, uh, you know, after Ragnarok, why wouldn't you trust this creative team? And it's interesting, too, that they have Loki on the uh, Disney Plus schedule as well. So we'll see if there's any tie in there. But one of the Disney Plus properties that really caught my eye, and I wanted to know if you knew anything about it, is What If? Because it seems like that could be a kind of a grab bag of sorts. Yeah. So What If is going to be awesome. Uh, (laughs) What If is an animated series. And they're just going to take – it's going to be like little individual episodes and they'll take moments from the MCU – and say, okay, so what if Bucky didn't get frozen? You know, what if Bucky didn't wasn't presumed dead uh, during <laughs> World War II? Like, you know, what if Bucky never became the Winter Soldier? Or what if Cap never was defrosted? Or, you know, what if Thor decided to just stay and be the champion on, uh, you know, on the planet in Ragnarok? You know, like they'll take little moments where a movie could have gone one way instead of the other and play it out. I don't know if these are going to be 30 minute episodes or an hour or hour long episodes, but they're going to have the cast of the movies reprise their voices. We're going to have Jeffrey Wright as the voice of the watcher. We saw the watchers kind of make a little cameo appearance with, uh, with Stan Lee and guardians of the galaxy volume two. And in the old, what if comics, all of them were introduced by the watcher the watcher was kind of like the crypt keeper from tales from the crypt where he would intro the stories and be like okay you know you know this story happened this way but what if it didn't what if it happened (laughs) this way instead so there's no better voice for that than jeffrey wright you know as this eerie cosmic presence this is just a fun case of marvel having confidence in the tapestry that they've already kind of woven and what they can do with it that sounds kind of like Elseworlds. Yeah, well, Elseworlds <laughs> was was very much DC's response to to Marvel's What If comics, oh, okay. uh, because Marvel launched What If in the 1970s, and it had a pretty healthy run, and then it kind of had a hiatus, and it was revived in like the late 80s or early 90s, and had like an even cooler run, 
And now they kind of dust it off in the comics, maybe, you know, once a year or once every two years. But like the big stories have always kind of already been told. And and so now to see that applied to the actual MCU uh, and done in animated form with star power voices is great. That's just like that just sounds like a party. <laughs> but speaking of DC, you mentioned that uh, there's a lot of news that kind of got overshadowed in the comics inspired world because of the big Marvel news. So what's going on in the DC universe? Well, the, the biggest is, is crisis on infinite earths, uh, which is going to be this year's Arrowverse TV crossover. You know, this is the final season of arrow and it's a short season. It's only going to be 10 episodes. And it seems like this entire arrow season is kind of going to be the direct buildup to crisis on infinite earths, but all of the shows are going to be involved. And the, I think the biggest thing there is that they're going to bring in characters and actors, not just from all of the current CW DC TV shows, but from other DC TV and movies throughout history and kind of make this a true multimedia multiverse. So the biggest news is that Brandon Routh, who currently plays Ray Palmer on Legends of Tomorrow, is going to play Superman again. And not just any Superman, he's going to be the Superman basically from the Kingdom Come comic book story, which is an older, kind of uh, slightly more embittered Superman who has dealt with a, a major personal tragedy. So that's really going to be something. Brandon Routh was a great Superman in, you know, in a, in a Superman movie that maybe is not beloved by by, you know, the general population. And I kind of understand why, although it has a place, I have a place in my heart for it. But to see him put the Superman costume on and to see him play a very specific version of that character from the comics, that's a big deal. They're going to, you know, Burt Ward, who played Robin in the 1960s Batman TV series, is going to have is going to have a cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So putting Burt Ward in just as a cameo would be a big thing on its own. And apparently they're not done. You know, I've heard uh, that there's there's other stuff in the works to kind of tie the broader past of DC TV and movies together in Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't know the specifics. I mean, I know some of them, but I can't reveal them yet. But it's <laughs> it's it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny because who would have thought that the announcement of Black Widow and the Eternals and things that we already knew were coming soon next year would be overshadowed by all these other things. It's amazing. Yeah, it's look, overall this San Diego Comic-Con has felt a little bit more subdued than yeah. previous years. Uh there's been a little bit less going on until Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Saturday was out of control. So it's a it's good time to be a comic book inspired uh movie and television fan for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like we've been living in this kind of uh with this like embarrassment of riches for a few years now. And, you know, even I've had to wonder if like, you know, did we just peak with Endgame? Because like <laughs> after you've done Endgame and after you've done Crisis on Infinite Earths, what else can you do? <laughs> um, but the answer seems to be you just keep doing it. And when you have producers and showrunners who are confident in what they've done and, you know, fortunately, success breeds freedom. And nobody has been more successful at this than Kevin Feige. And it's pretty clear that no idea is too big or too weird at this point. I mean, once you pull off Endgame, 
if they say, yeah, we're going to cross over a Vision and Scarlet Witch TV series with a horror-tinged <laughs> Doctor Strange sequel, even five years ago, executives would look at you and go, what are you, out of your mind? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, this is a good time. This is a good time for all of us, and I, I look forward to seeing what the next few years holds. Yeah, you know, you know it's big when Kevin Feige says, I don't have time to talk about mutants right now, but yeah. moving, moving right along. <laughs> and like, we didn't even get Black Panther 2 out of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we didn't like we know it's coming, you know, like we know Black Panther 2 is happening and Captain Marvel 2. Is- we know Captain Marvel 2 is happening. But like they're like, yeah, we don't even have to talk about these right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, no time. You no know, time ma- there might be, you know, maybe they're saving that for D23 next month. I've compared Marvel Studios before to they're like stage magicians. Like as much as the cynic in me uh, wants to just be like, yeah, this is just, you know, these movies are kind of eating up all the oxygen at the box office and blah, 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 blah. But they know, they know showmanship and they know how to reveal just enough to get people excited. And when you can just keep two other billion dollar franchises in your back pocket and say, yeah, we're going to save these for later, <laughs> you know, you're sitting on top of the world. That's right. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I, I wish you the best here in your final days of, of Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Stay cozy. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. And thank you out there for listening to this special installment of the Den of Geek podcast. We'll be back uh, next time we have a special event to cover. As you noticed, this feed has been sort of taken over with some different special events, such as Star Wars Celebration, E3, and now San Diego Comic-Con. So stay tuned to this feed for more of the same, hopefully. But until then, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.